The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. America's top talk shows with breaking news, traffic, and weather. WHIO! W-H-I-O. There is a season Welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria Show. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thank you for joining us. And as always, if you'd like to add your insights to our topic today, we'd love to hear from you. 457-1290 is the number to reach us in the studio. 937-457-1290. And feel free to write to us anytime at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. So the recent news of Elon Musk's attempt to purchase Twitter was interesting for a lot of reasons. Critics of the move were alarmed that such a purchase heralded the end of democracy, while those in favor of Musk's purchase saw this as a pulling back of one small part of the social media world towards something fairer and more level-headed. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing how people on the left and right have looked to this as some kind of momentous tide change, like the change of ownership for just one media platform might be the salvation or the ruination of our country. But then that's kind of fitting, isn't it, Bob? Yeah. So much of what goes on in social media is so opinionated and highly charged. No. (laughs) You know, person A makes a point or a comment about something and then person B responds with a hallelujah. Or instead, maybe something snarky like, okay, boomer, and nothing of <laughs> real value has really occurred. So we've had a back and forth of words, maybe with others joining in, or maybe other media channels picking up the fray, and that's supposed to be newsworthy. And often, I know you and I think it's kind of silly. I think, yes, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, not all of it is frivolous, of course, but because so much of what happens in social media is asynchronous, that is, it's not like a real conversation or even a debate in real time. You know, somebody sends a note five minutes later or five days later, somebody else can comment on that. It's not occurring at the same time. Well, this engenders too often a series of sharp exchanges where somebody here just gets slammed and somebody there just gets torched. That person acts like he and his friends have just now figured out how it all works. The meaning of life, the purpose and aims of our country, what justice is or is not, and who should pay for what. And that other person over there is simply a fascist or a racist for not agreeing with me. Highly charged microblogging, it's Mm. called. used to be 140 words, now 280 words on Twitter. Words of wit or bile or humor or anger or whatever, but not a lot of depth. It's dizzying, and I think a lot of the 330 million or so registered Twitter active users, I think it's about 70 million in America, well, they simply avoid the fray. They might like to check on their feed, but they're never going to dare to utter an opinion. And millions of others simply don't care about Twitter or any social media at all. Hmm. Yes, Facebook has a lot of the same, Bob. 
but it was never really designed to have that quick hit pace that Twitter does where it seems comments are made on the fly (laughs) and people get social media points or reputations by spitting out some pithy remark about the day's news or some entertainment thing or whatever. And yeah, none of it's for me. It's not for me either. It's it's almost like, and you kind of get the feeling that the the news media organizations love it. So-and-so said this, are you going to stand there and take that? And then somebody answers back with another little snarky remark back and forth. Yeah. It's almost like grade school level at times. It's somewhat amusing at times. Yeah. We don't use it with this show. I don't know that we ever will, but it's just, you no, know. No, I would I quit. Feel- well, you'd probably be really nasty to me on there. I know. <laughs> Never mind what that dope says. Anyway, th- th- I've got a couple of reasons, really, that that uh, that I, I've, I feel like tweeting and all of that kind of stuff doesn't work for me. One is that I just think a lot of the action on Twitter is shallow and often cowardly, as we've alluded here. What a lot of tweeters think passes for insight or intelligent commentary is often lacking in depth or even a willingness to understand or to educate or to debate or even have an idea challenged. It's not really about communication or meaning or an invitation to conversation. It's about ending conversation with a definitive know-it-all remark. Boom, I got you. Yeah, and I think I know your second reason, Bob. It's just far too often nasty. Right. Yeah. Or somebody thinks this or that person's free speech is not within some guidelines. And those guidelines have seemed arbitrary and for a lot of conservatives, extremely biased. Am I right? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So rather than having a respectful back and forth where ideas are shared and debated, we don't have to agree about everything, obviously. Well, too often discussion devolves into I'm right and you're an idiot. That sounds about right. (laughs) I like the way that sounded, too. I'm right. And you're an idiot. Well. <laughs> but only in, only if we were tweeting, right? Yeah. But while Twitter uh, as a platform or even talk radio or cable news as media all suffer from the soundbite mentality, the need to make fast points before the next story or commercial break, another underlying driver of the polarization that we see in our society mm-hmm. and the tension of our interactions in the public arena, we feel, has been a lack of patient and methodical, critical thinking skills. Yes, most discussions seem to be often driven by emotions and just the cliff notes understanding of issues. It doesn't matter what the issue is. People know what they like and like what they know, either because they learned it this way in their family or because of that professor or because that entertainer or politician or media personality says so. And if it feels right, well, that's often enough for me. I think that's the attitude too often. I I think so too. I also think that many people feel the taking of a position has to somehow intertwine with the big act, the big demonstrative act, right? The loud pronouncement on social media as if the degree of feeling and sense of righteousness about an issue is sufficient to not have to think about anything anymore or hear different viewpoints. The big marches in Washington may indeed have their political and social purposes. But think of those things. They they almost take on kind of a ceremonial quality with thousands of people in the street and lots of chanting and yelling and provocative and catchy signs and, and costumes and so forth, but not always a lot of depth beyond the parroting of a few key terms or slogans or chants. Now think about this. I mean, if you went up to a man or woman on the street at most of those things, would they be able to articulate 
why they have a vagina hat on their head. I wasn't going to say it. I was I, willing to say it. I, I would listen. like to know, what are you thinking? <laughs> that I mean, How can I listen to somebody with one of those things on their head? And I'm what, sorry. Yes, and what does it say? Right. Is there not a better way to right. to dialogue and to have conversation about the issue at hand than to wear a knitted hat that looks but like that? Th- that's kind of part of the branding <laughs> then. It, not only, sorry. I mean, and, and, and obviously, you know, you got not just Facebook and Twitter, you got TikTok and all these things. It's all about generating clicks and look at me and look at me and what a witty thing I said or did. Or uh, We've joked even about the guy on um, YouTube who does all the drinking of the big big gulp bottles and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. What's his name? I forget. He's funny. He started out with the big Mountain Dew things. He could chug something chug. And he's got millions of followers. So that's part of what's going on here is the provocation. And some of it's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. In in the case here of this stuff, um, are you going to be taken seriously if you can't articulate a position without all of that uh, showmanship and rancor and whatever? I, I don't know. Right. So all of this got Bob and I to thinking about whether critical thinking is important to anyone anymore, or is it more important simply to seize upon an idea that sounds good and which we can reaffirm through the echo chambers, echo, echo chambers of social media? I mean, how great is it to think or feel something, Google it, or head out to Twitter or Facebook and fairly quickly find my group, those people who think like me. Once I know they're out there, do I stop the process of questioning or thinking critically about this or that topic? We were also wondering whether critical thinking skills are really taught anymore or if they can be taught. Or is the emphasis in how we raise and educate our kids all too often you know, cramming knowledge down on them or cramming opinions down on them. A lot of people would say that education has become about teaching to the state proficiency tests, but that's a topic for another day. But all of this seems to come at the expense of teaching people how to receive information, how to evaluate it, maybe question it, maybe consider other perspectives on it, and be able to discuss it civilly, you know, nicely with other human beings. (laughs) Well, it's easier to not have to think in depth about a lot of things or just go along with the crowd. Yeah. Join in the in the march. Right. Become part of a mob. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the first things I see about uh, all the protests of uh, the speakers on college campuses. Right. Nearly all of them who get protested are conservatives. And here's my thought. If you or your ideas are so perfectly formed on these college campuses, if you are going to stand in the righteousness of truth and light then what possible threat could be posed by someone speaking about an alternate opinion? College administrators, whether they agree with mobs of students or not, do them absolutely no favors by not challenging them with different viewpoints at that stage of their lives. Like that speaker? Hate that speaker. So what? If you were so convicted of your ideas, then why, especially in the historically rich incubator of ideas that a university is supposed to be, are you afraid to have your ideas challenged or to hear a different opinion? Why do people get so bent out of shape having them on the campus? I I think a lot of those angry students would never admit to being afraid, but would say that certain people of a different opinion have lost the right to speak in the public square, maybe in an auditorium, which is even worse. Gets back to what Elon Musk was um, after when he was talking about free speech. Afraid or not of a differing opinion, some simply believe they and they alone 
have truth at their fingertips and that you just need to sit down. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of reminds me of what we had before the Republic of the United States when the divine rights of kings meant never questioning anybody who had the power. And maybe power is all that it's really about. You know, when you think about it, every, every week there's some report about AOC, you're barking at somebody else, and there's these little snarky exchanges and stuff, but is it really just about power? You know, I, I'd love to debate with you, but I'm going to waste my time and energy on that as opposed to getting the upper hand. Um, let's get back to the topic of critical thinking. For those of us who might still like to see young and old have the tools to form well-thought-out opinions... Is that something that's possible? Do we want those skills in a society? Do we need them? Can they be taught? Would they perhaps lower the temperature of our discourse in America today? There are a lot of people who would contend that the skills necessary for critical thinking are not really in place um, in the development of a child's, adolescence, or even a young adult's brain, and hmm, maybe some adults, wink, wink, (laughs) that the area of the brain responsible for evaluation and judgment, the prefrontal cortex, is one of the last parts of the brain to fully develop. That's often cited as a reason why younger people are at the greatest risk of death by accidents because that so-called brain circuitry that manage impulse control, emotional regulation, and decision-making aren't fully mature. And that might make it hard to teach critical thinking at a young age, Bob. Yeah, and, and I don't know how you have excuses for people who are older, you know, what their problems. I was thinking problems. that, well, as but I was you saying didn't say that. It, but, but no. Anyway, we're going to talk more about that and education. Can, uh, you know, can uh, critical thinking be taught? But also, what do you think? What have you tried in your family to increase your critical thinking skills and maybe raise those skills in your own children? 457-1290 today to share your comments on this topic. 937-457-1290 about critical thinking and we'll continue right after this. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We're talking today about critical thinking skills. Does anybody teach these? Should they? Do we need to teach them? 457-1290 is the number to join us with your thoughts today. How have you... Or are you developing your own critical thinking skills or those of younger people in your midst? 457-1290. And, uh, you know, we were talking going to the break about the big remark, the big demonstration. And somehow, if you shout it louder or you do the more provocative thing, like you have the balls to wear a vagina hat, it, you know, that somehow that that's a best, the best way to make your point. But if you ask somebody a question, if you went you know, a step beyond that and said, all right, we'll explain what you have to explain. How long before things would devolve into a shouting match because people didn't have critical thinking skills and the ability to have a reasoned debate? That's why people wear those hats. They don't have any critical thinking or conversational skills. They can just, you know, wear the hat hat and and march along with everyone else with the hat. So uh, we were also talking about, you know, an education system that spends most of the time in its early years on rote learning. A lot of people believe that's fine, at least traditionally. We teach our colors and shapes and math tables and spelling to kids at a young age. Uh, And again, ADHD or other behavioral factors aside, it's because kids are sponges at that age. 
The other parts of the brain are rapidly growing and need to be fed. And a teacher is a natural authority figure. So there isn't a lot of why to the equation 2 plus 2 equals 4. It just, it just is at that age. age. And we, we pass that along from one generation uh, to another because we think it'll pay dividends down the road. So is it possible to introduce critical thinking at that age? Well, you know, I'm not sure. Let's, uh, let's ask you, 457-1290. We'll welcome James to the program. James, thanks for calling us today. Hi, Gloria. Hi, Bob. It's nice to speak with you. Yes, nice to speak too. with you. What's your take on this? So uh, I, I was listening to you talking about when uh, you, you would ask questions and, and have the debate slowly devolve, and that's actually why I, I got off of Twitter, um, because that's what I would do is just take a Socratic method to a conversation and just ask why, you know, how, how do you get to this point? And uh, I would, it would quickly... I would quickly be accused of, of, of believing something, which may, may or may not be true, but, I mean, that, that's what it would end up becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as critical thinking, um, growing up in a household with, with faith um, as a part of our life really helped because part of the cr- thinking critically is asking critical questions like, what is the meaning and why are we here and, and you know, what, what, what are those things? And then, and even, you know, what... What it, what is my my faith and what what do I believe, and those those things being taught at a young age I think are the, are the foundations of critical thought. And did you have critical thinker parents? Yeah, I would say my parents are critical thinkers. I I almost see kind of two levels to this conversation. This is going to sound weird, but one level is we live in a culture now that doesn't seem to want to point to any kind of objective truth. We've become so multicultural and. And, and morally equivalent about so much that everybody's idea is equal to something else, okay? But even if you could get to that level of civility in those conversations where you might not necessarily prove one idea is better than another, that would be a major achievement, even if you could just get to the point of conversation. And then well, if the, you were in conversation— that there is no truth, and, and, that, and that's the, the postmodernist philosophy is that the truth is that there is no truth. And then, what? and so you, you just by its very nature, you can't get to that point. So we just keep circling around these, these strong opinions, and the, but there's no truth. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. well, that's a, that's a postmodernist philosophy. Is that <laughs> the, the truth is objective, and there is no uh, morality is objective, mm. and that's that's what that is. It makes you and wonder you, why, though, people get so exorcised about their opinions. Then. If, if really whatever you think and whatever she thinks and I think are all versions of the truth, then why do people get so bent out of shape in social yeah, media? So, so to what extent do I have to participate? Right. 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 All right. So, appreciate, appreciate the call. we got to get to the news here, but I, I do appreciate calling in and uh, yeah. getting things going. It's nice to speak with both of you. Yeah, nice to speak too. to you. Thank Thanks. you. Bye-bye. Four five seven twelve ninety. What do you think? What have you tried in your family to increase critical thinking skills? Do you even think they're necessary anymore? Hop on board. We'd love to hear your opinions today. We've got more for you right after the news. Four five seven twelve ninety. When we return, you're listening to There Is a Season on AM twelve ninety and News ninety five seven WHIO Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. This is the show about how we change, how we age. And how we care for one another and how we think critically. Right. Right. Critically. 
How can people jump on board if they'd like to? 457-1290 is the number to join us today for our conversation about critical thinking. Is this something that you think is important, especially in our political and social climate today? Is it teachable? What have you tried to develop it in yourself or another? 937-457-1290 to chat with us right now. People might take for granted even the whole idea of critical thinking. It's like if you say to somebody, you know, how good a driver are you? And a lot of people say, oh, I'm a great driver. I'm, I'm just a tremendous driver, right? Because maybe they are, or maybe they have no self-awareness about just how good or bad they are as a driver, Maybe right? they just have a big ego. That's possible. But yeah. a lot of people will not say, oh, I'm a terrible driver, right? Well, critical thinking might be the same thing. A lot of people would say, well, of course I think about these things. I don't just, you know, come up but, with some old idea. But do you really critically think? Yes, which involves certain processes in that whole thing. We'd love to know what your thoughts are uh, if this is something you have engendered in yourself uh, along the way or if you have raised your kids a particular way and, and tried to get them to teach critically uh, critical thinking to them as they've been growing up. 457-1290 is our number for that. Now, um, as we were researching this, we came across an article called How to Teach Your Child to Be a Critical Thinking uh, Thinker by uh, Sherry Gordon. Uh, and this appeared out on the website verywellfamily.com, which we can, uh, again, repeat the link for you later on. But it goes like this. Everyday kids are bombarded with messages, information, and images. Whether they are at school, online, or talking to their friends, they need to know how to evaluate what they are hearing and seeing in order to form their own opinions and beliefs. Critical thinking skills are the foundation of education, as well as an important life skill. Now, without the ability to think critically, kids will struggle academically, especially as they get older. In fact, no matter what your child plans to do professionally someday, they will need to know how to think critically, solve problems, and make decisions. As a parent, it's important that you ensure that your kids can think for themselves and have developed a healthy critical mindset before they leave the nest. Now, in doing so, we'll help them succeed, as we said, academically and professionally, as well as benefit their future relationships. Now we're going to tell you how you can make that happen. In, in five easy steps. Well, actually, you know, what is critical thinking? A lot of people kind of go around in circles on that. But as I, as I go through some of uh, Sherry Gordon's article, ask yourself, are these things that you have created the opportunities for in your own home or or and or, are they the kinds of things that you're hearing your young student learn about in school? There's so much information that kids a lot of times uh, have thrown at them in school uh, from a content standpoint. You know, you got to learn this, got to learn this, got to learn mm -hmm. this. And I know teachers are out there teaching to various proficiency tests and levels. Is there time for this? Is there time for alternate viewpoints or questioning things? Uh, and that's that's what we're looking at here. So critical thinking is often described as the ability to imagine, analyze, and evaluate information in order to determine its integrity and validity, such as what is factual and what isn't. These skills help people form opinions and ideas as well as help them to know who is being a good friend and who isn't. Critical thinking can also solve taking a complex problem and developing clear solutions, says Amy Morin a social uh, worker and a psychotherapist and author of the best-selling book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do and 13 Things Mentally Strong Parents Don't Do. In fact, critical thinking is an essential part of problem-solving, decision-making, and goal-setting. It's also the basis 
of education or can be, especially when combined with reading comprehension. These two skills together allow kids to master information, not just to digest it, but to digest it and to master it. Now, um, I don't think anybody, well, I mean, we've asked the question whether you think it's important. A lot of people would say, yeah, it probably is important, but maybe not know how to get from here to there. Uh, and, And that's you know, again, one, one of the reasons we're asking you the question about how you've made that journey yourself, four, five, seven, twelve, ninety. But in saying all this, I think the premise is that there's, you know, some benefits to this. Maybe there are, maybe there aren't. Uh, but let's think this through. From being able to solve a complex problem in school and determining how a kid feels about a particular issue to maybe building relationships and dealing with peer pressure. Those are all things that you could, I suppose, find in a manual someplace. <laughs> But developing critical thinking skills to equip your child to deal with those challenges and obstacles, I would think, would be far better than just trying to look up somebody else's opinion on it. And, and looking up is so different in that <clears throat> I would believe that if you have good critical thinking skills, you can be nimble, very quick on your feet when faced with any of these things. Peer pressure, um, maybe d- making a decision or a choice of something that you want to do or not do. I think that you have to have them pretty much. It has to be habitual. Because you're training your mind. Right. Right, exactly. So they, you know, critical thinking skills also will help to foster independence, and it enhances creativity, encourages, you know, curiosity in kids. Um, kids who are taught to use critical thinking skills will ask a lot of questions, and they never just take things at face value. You know, they always want to know the why. So it's really good when your kids are always like, "Why yeah, is why? the sky the blue?" Why? or "Why?" Right. You know how kids do that naturally. Why not continue to foster that? Um, and, you know, another benefit is it just leads to better relationships, reduced distress, and improved life satisfaction. Um, people who can solve problems every day are likely to feel more confident, I think, in their ability to handle whatever life throws their way. When you were talking about the why, I was thinking back to um, growing up, and, and one of my brothers was really interested in science. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, him getting a book one year called Tell Me Why. And it had a lot of this back and forth, you know, why, why is the sky? Yeah, why that's is a this? big one. And then there was more tell me why and still more tell me why. Kids so, will have to do that. Well, why? Well, right. why? To the, to the nth degree, you know, and, why? And there might be a tendency, I mean, what parent hasn't been, you know, exhausted or just want to say, because I said so. You know, it's in the encyclopedia of because I <laughs> said just so. because, right. What they're getting at here, though, is this idea that where possible, you add that component in there. Or say, uh, why do you think? Yeah, to be able to turn things around. Rather than just giving easy answers. Which yes, I think, and that's hard because a lot of times we just want to solve it real quick. and you know. Right, but like why do you think that? Because then that helps to develop those thinking skills. You know, my kids would always say, well, how do you spell this word, Mom, when they're doing their homework? And I would say, I don't know. Why don't you send it out? Why don't you figure out how to spell it? And there's that thing called a dictionary over there. What's that? <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> that's a heavy book. We're I have quick to, pick to that not up. teach other people how to think. Because we often do it for them. Yeah, and we want to solve something real quick or say, hey, make this go away. Right. Now, there are some other things you can do to be be able to pass along critical thinking skills. One is to be a good role model. Sometimes the best way to teach your kids is to model it in your own life. After all, kids copy our behaviors. Uh, they, They see it in parents all the time. And if you can start to model critical thinking, 
and here's the weird thing, you know, sometimes people think, well, this is the purview of kids and this is the purview of parents. But there are a lot of things we go through, right? The the uh, evaluation about even putting a shopping list together for the store, or should I go to this um, uh, car service place or that car service? Should we do that kind of, I mean, there's a lot of things even just in the operation of a house that involve critical thinking. We don't always share that with our kids. Right. And I mean, just think about these last two years with the COVID-19 issue. <clears throat> what a perfect opportunity to teach critical thinking. You know, you don't always have to just follow what, you don't have to do what you're, um, what everyone else is doing. <clears throat> no matter what side you're on, think for yourself, do research. And you could even do both sides in that it, very easily. Exactly. But, and let people learn how to develop their own opinions or their own, to make their own choices in life. Another thing that you can do, especially with young kids, start right away. And that is to make sure you play with them. Can't mm-hmm. play with them all the time. Can't fill up every minute of a kid's life playing with them. But when you're learning by trial and error, as a lot of kids are, even think about kids using, you know, building with blocks or yeah. putting a Hot Wheel track that. together or something like that. That's great activity to see what works and what doesn't. Right. Um, and board games are a really good way to do that, you know, to play board games um, and, and peer play. That's why that's so important because they have to have critical thinking skills. And uh, if the conflict arises, to be able to figure it out, how to get through the conflict, even with their peers, right? Little kids, that's my toy. I've sometimes had to take a socialist approach to Monopoly when kids are playing because the older (laughs) kids know how the the gig works. (laughs) And they'll be making these deals and the young kids are like, oh, that sounds fair. And it's not. (laughs) Five minutes later, they're out, right? Right, right. No critical thinking skills. So you also have to teach your kids how to solve problems, right? Um, teach them to brainstorm at least five different ways that they could solve a particular problem. Um, another way is you uh, could challenge your kids to move an object from one side of the room to the other without using their hands. Now, they might think that's impossible, right? But with a little support, they might see there's a dozen of solutions like using their feet or putting on gloves. I, I always say that's being creative. I, I like just, when I pack a car for a vacation, my yeah. husband always says, that is not all going to fit. And I say, oh, you watch. <laughs> you put the wine bottles under. No, not the wine bottles. You put, <laughs> you put this under the seat. You put this here and you right. wrap this in this. I wouldn't have your kids move like the expensive vase or something if you or like the heirloom. I wouldn't have them do that with their feet. But you, you know? well, well, right, right. But I mean, you teach them to be creative and then think through the steps for a successful whatever. We talked about this before. This is uh, all from the article uh, by Sherry Gordon, How to Teach Your Child to Be a Critical Thinker. And, hey, jump in anytime, 457-1290, if you've got some things you'd like to add that you've tried in your own life. Uh, as exhausting as it might be to answer a constant barrage of questions, realize, especially with younger kids, that's kind of why you're there. You can play the Rafi tape only so many times. Is Rafi too old? You know, Do people even remember that? I remember The Rafi. wheels on the bus go Yeah, yeah, stop. The- Right okay. there. We can do an entire Everybody Rafi show. Everybody has that in their brain. Yes. Well, you can, you know, have that turned down a little bit and do a little bit of this. There's worse things thing. that you could be playing in your car nowadays for, that and, are geared towards children. And that some have people do. Words or ideas, right. ideologies in them. And we'll, that's a whole other program too. So encourage your kids <laughs> to ask questions all the time. Or if you see something pop up, I hate to make everything a teachable moment because you'll exhaust your kid after a while. Sometimes they just need to have, you know. Chill time. Chill time. But there are plenty of things that you can say, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Right, right. Uh, Practice making choices all the time, all the time, because that's how we learn, like we said, through trial and error. Um, 
you can get your child um, thinking about making choices by giving them a say in how they want to spend their time. That's also another uh, another good a good thing. And talk to them about how to deal with issues like bullying and peer pressure. Coach them how to make healthy choices regarding social media use. All of these situations will require critical thinking on your child's part. Now, this ties back in uh, with what we were starting the, the show off with about social media, Elon Musk, Twitter, and all this kind of stuff. Encourage open-mindedness. Mm, that's a big one. Don't forget to explain or at least to throw out there at some point. Social media, all these places, are not designed so much for free speech and the exchange of deep ideas. It would be nice if they are, but they're designed to generate money. They are money-making enterprises yep. that track our behavior, what we say, what the hashtags are, this, that. They're generated for money. As a matter of fact, you could even say this about any of the major cable news places. There's a certain, I don't want to say salacious all the time, that's not quite the right word, but there's a some kind of an effect to get you excited, to get you stirred up. It's not newsworthy unless you're upset about it, right? Right. So they thrive on that, and social media does this. That said, you can still encourage your kids to have open-mindedness about whatever they're going to face and realize that just because that person over there is saying something I find offensive or totally off what I believe doesn't mean you have to shoot them down right off the top. Right. And I think that the way we, we learn um, and, and, and begin to believe what we believe is by listening to both sides. I have a son that prefers one of the, the news media styles, mm -hmm. but he listens to both. Because he says that you can learn more from listening to both sides than just one side. Even if you don't agree with the other side. You can I, learn a little I bit about... I have a family member who's gone through environmental um, uh, education, right? And some of the things in the environmentalist scheme of thinking would not be things that I necessarily would ascribe to. But it's important to know what those things are. And not to go running out of the room and just well, and be, say something pejorative about that. Just, right. That's what we're talking about. How can you have dialogue if you don't know both sides? Right. If you don't know the other side, how can you talk about your side intelligently or even if you want to be persuasive? If you don't know where that other person's coming from and, and if, why they're thinking. And pulled away thinking. from this asynchronous, oh, I fired a shot across the bow right. in Twitter and sit down and say, let's talk. We might spend 10, 15, 20 minutes on this and not come to any agreement, but at least we will have had a conversation. And often we think about those conversations later. You know, it takes some yeah. time to develop a different way of thinking or maybe just take a little bit of what someone else believes and you glean something from it. Just something. We've got more right after this. Plus, we'll give you a little peek at some uh, programs coming up just on the other side of the break. Thanks you're, for being with us. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. <laughs> Gloria's reminding me of how little time we have in this last segment. He's searching for something. I'm, I'm always like, looking to pack more value in here at the last, in the last few value seconds. Value is wonderful, but not if you have to talk like this. Really well, fast. you know, if we had that 75-minute show or whatever it was. Uh, so the main <laughs> article we were talking about today is by Sherry Gordon, and it's on the website. Verywellfamily.com. 
how to teach your child to be a critical thinker. September 2021. There yep. are a lot of different things out there, some some really good sites for, for checking things out. One site that I've always liked was the ProCon site because it's so simple. You go in and at least in, as far as I've uh, been able to dig down into it, it seems pretty fair on most of the time. And you take any article that's out, any uh, issue going on right now, whatever it, it is. talks about the pros here's, and the cons. Right, back and forth. And at least it starts the conversation to say, oh, I never I never thought of that side. You know, and, right. and you know, at least it puts it out there in a fair way. Uh, now, we've got some other great shows coming your way. Uh, some of these are a little weighty. One is going to be about nursing. Yes. An update on that. The situation of nurses. The shortage the agencies stepping in to provide travel nurses, all whilst local nurses in each community are walking off the job. So we've got people going from one community to another, getting paid quadruple what they're paid in their local community. It doesn't make Bob sense Bob and I don't understand it, so we're going to try Yeah, to we're scratching our heads going, how's this business model do anything <laughs> for patients primarily? Uh, and it Yeah, seems... what's going on? Because it doesn't even seem like it would do anything for hospitals. And another topic we're going to talk about is the Christian art of dying. Now, it, it, I wouldn't get hung up on the Christian part of it, but the... I was the, thinking you don't want to get hung up on the dying part. But, well, <laughs> <laughs> but the whole point of this uh, is is that there is a uh, there, there are circles of thought and practice um, about the whole idea of dying. And do we do it correctly in this country or do we do everything possible to avoid that? When we all know it's an inevitability, right? We, but we, we shelve it. We constantly shelve it or we continue to take medicines and keep thinking all about safety and health, safety and health, safety and health. It's all we ever heard during COVID as opposed to, hey, well, maybe there is a time for me or for that person or that person. Young people pass away. Older people pass away. Some people get sick. Some don't. Some have accidents. But the whole idea of being prepared and accepting that as a part of being alive. Rather than the fear of dying or being right. afraid to die. Yeah. So those are two power pack programs they we're going to be having your way about nursing and about the, the how we do uh, dying. And we uh, welcome your attention and participation in those programs down the road. We're out of time here to everything there is a season and a time to purpose, uh, time to every purpose under the heaven. And we got to go. It's our time to go. So remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step you take. Reach out to someone around you.